0: Hello guys, welcome back to the Optimum Development Podcast. We are on episode number 54. As usual, myself, Joe Jeffrey, with my co-host, the American Austin Stout, (laughs) and we have guest speaker Josh Bridgman, which most of you probably know. I think we share a pretty similar audience. So Josh, if you don't know you, do you want to do a little bit of an intro, who you are and what we're going to kind of talk about today?
1: Sure, um, I'm Josh. I've been competing I've, I've been competing naturally for the last for like kind of four years, been training about nine, nine years this year. And I've just recently decided to take the take the leap to the dark side, as one would call it, um, and, and start my anabolic journey to just get that road to the IFBB Pro underway, um, which is the long-term goal from the start. Um, I'm a full-time online coach. I'm a YouTuber, I do all the Instagram stuff and try to stay as active on there as possible.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I wanted you to come on, really, because um, I wanted to give a sort of insight into what it's like to be a sort of novice anabolics user. Uh, sort of get some kind of feedback from you on how it feels, what you've noticed thus far. And then we could go further and dig into how you're doing it, because I noticed very much the way that you're using anabolics as a novice anabolics user is the way that I generally program it with clients as well, which I thought was cool, which is what initially drew me to... In fact, no, I, I was looking into who was coaching you and realised it was Callum, so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. You still coached by Callum now? I am indeed. Yeah, so I'm that's Callum for all the Muscle but... mentors, anybody listening. Yeah, and I think you're taking a really wise approach to your anabolic use. so I wanted to hopefully spread some knowledge here on anybody listening that is thinking about using anabolic in the future, a little disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, no one is here as far as I know. This isn't medical advice, this is just um, entertainment, I guess. Although it is legal in our, in our country of residence. So.
1: Yeah, I, I get that a lot of people saying, how can you talk about this, this guy should be put in jail. That's what I get the most. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, it's actually legal, bud, so
0: I'm fine. So first, let's kick it off with like, what have you noticed, because amongst novice anabolic users, I noticed there's a great deal of like mythical um, expectations that they're going to gain yeah. 30 pounds of muscle and lose 30 pounds of fat and stuff. But I'm not saying the drugs don't work. They're extremely powerful. They are. But um, let's put a realistic look on this, what you've noticed. So you must be about three months on now, right? Uh, I am on week 10. This is my 10th week now.
1: Okay, cool. So I'm in, I'm in full swing, as they would say.
0: Yeah, so you're past that five half life window there. So um, yeah. how does it how does it just feel within yourself to be on super physiological levels of testosterone?
1: Yeah, it was really daunting at the start and I definitely came from uh, I came from the very natty Position of steroids, like, uh, oh, you're just gonna, it's gonna be easy, you're gonna just gain muscle like this. You know, I was very ignorant to it all. Um, obviously, as I got closer to that decision, you know, a lot more research and kind of gave me a bit more clued up on it. But from the moment I started, I was liberated, the, the pressure was off, um, didn't know what to expect. Within the first week, I, I genuinely felt fuller to a certain extent. just I remember just being like lying under my duvet and thinking, I'm touching this duvet a little bit higher. Um, that was after a week, and then kind of stayed the same for two, two to three weeks. Then I started getting pretty, pretty good progression in the gym. I was thinking, okay, definitely feeling the strength. And then come weeks four or five, I just you know that was that was when everything came through. And I just now everything recovery is just awesome. Um, probably the biggest thing I noticed is when those those sessions that absolutely smash you to bits, um, and you feel that central nervous system fatigue, and you're just tired and. and you know, just want to sleep. I wake up fine the next day versus, you know, really struggling um, when I was natural. Um, Little niggles have gone. So I kind of had like a few niggles in the back of my knees, a little lower back thing. Those have kind of subsided and kind of just feel more lubricated. Like I I see a chiropractor every kind of couple of weeks and he says, that my joints are just feeling very lubricated. So I'm sure that's a part of it. Um, And since then it's just been consistent. I feel I feel pretty good. I feel super physiological, to say the least.
0: <laughs> so, um, body comp wise, are, are you going at this like um, a recomp kind of process, or are you using the the super physiological hormone environment to primarily focus on adding new muscle tissue? Um, how yeah, have you? Got yes.
1: it? So everything for me is just about gaining tissue. Um, I did like a little mini cut before I, I started, so I did about six weeks. I moved about six kilos off. Um, so I got a little bit leaner, you know, got hungry, I got my blood glucose in a good place, blood pressure, all those biomarkers to tell me that I'm ready to, you know, to do this because if I'm going to put things that are going to potentially affect those, those markers in, they had to at least be in the, in the right position first. You know? So I did that, got my blood test done, um, just prepared myself properly for this, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So um, it's um, just testosterone that you're using?
1: yes 250 milligrams which is a f- fairly low dose from what i've been told i will, you know when i was starting to post about it publicly people telling me to double the dose yeah, uh, triple the dose
0: <laughs> i think this is the thing because it's the rhetoric that your first cycle should be sort of 500 milligrams a week of a long ester testosterone or something but you know in in reality you want if you're in this for the long game, you need to constantly eke out the most from the least, right? So you don't exactly. have to end up at extreme ghosts. And if you looked at your—I don't know if you did—but if you looked at your just like physiological endocrine sort of balance, um, so where your total testosterone was before going on gear, let's say, it was like an average 600, 700 milligrams per deciliter or something. You know, two hundred and fifty milligrams is going to put you. I mean, where's yours now? Have you had a blood test recently?
1: Yeah, so I I did my test before, and I was my, my one was in nanomoles, so it was twenty-one nanomoles. I'm not sure what the conversion is. That was natural. That was naturally where I was. Nanomolar. Um, yeah, nanomoles per liter. So I'm not sure what the conversion is, and that.
0: Um. And what what was you twenty-one? Twenty-one, yeah. Okay, that in nanograms. Is like, what level? I might be able to tell you 21 nanomoles per
2: liter nanomoles. Um, yeah.
0: I think Gosh. that's six just over 600 nanograms per deciliter. I must be, able, yeah, you're quite, yeah. that is a it, within the physiological range, to be fair, was it? Yeah. yeah.
1: It was, yeah. it was quite high. was quite high, naturally, I think. I think. I think it was an extra nine nanomoles was. So it was like between eight and 30 nanomoles per liter. that the test range was.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I came in at twenty one, and then after five half lives of my enanti, I came back at forty two. So there you go. Oh, I
0: thought you were saying but, this was um, this was now. Sorry. Okay. No 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 sorry sorry you were yeah. At
1: 600. Yeah, six hundred and
0: doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now- and now you're at about one thousand two hundred odd. So yeah, yeah, you've doubled it. So there you go. And can you tell me that doubling your total test is going to give you a great return on your investment? Like that, Sorry, that, like doubling your total test is clearly going to give you a huge return on your investment. So yeah, absolutely. Th- this is exactly the point. You don't need to go to five hundred.
1: I know. I, th- right. I think people are always pushing for more, and it's. It's definitely not the case if you want to go for a long period of time, which is essentially what I've done this for, you know, it's no long, it's not going to be a long journey where well, it is going to be a long journey. So
0: yeah, well, I, I mean, so let's, let's talk about this on that. You say it's going to be a long journey going forward. Um, I mean, me and Austin have spoken about this a ton and I'll just lay this out now. I'm not sure what your views are. that We generally advise anybody that goes on exogenous hormones, they look at it as a lifelong decision. Um, if they're most interested in their health i don't think there's much um sort of viability in wanting to cycle long term as in restarting your hbta axis, shutting it down again restarting your hbta axis, shutting it down again uh, we've gone over the efficacy of that and covered the the 2018 research reviews and stuff in this podcast beforehand so josh how how are you going forward are you looking to ever come off of exogenous hormones or is this or is this it now
1: Yeah, so like listening to those podcasts, you know, and other ones with like Doctor Dean, um, Mm -hmm. Callum. um, I needed to be sure of my decision because from from everything that they've been telling me, everything that I've listened to you guys, that's the right decision. It's just it's if if, if you're going for this goal, it's a lifelong decision for just the general health health aspects of it. So that was that was my decision. You know, like this is me now. (laughs) This this was a part of me um, until the end, and and I'm more than happy with that decision.
0: Yeah, and I yeah, think it's another piece of rhetoric. Sorry, Austin, go on.
1: I was just going to say because most people, they,
2: they're not just going to do one cycle. So the idea of PCTs kind of senseless because they, you get. I mean, I guess if someone was never going to cycle again and they did one PCT, they they may be okay. But it's just the fact that it's less and less effective every single time. So.
0: Yeah, and and. I mean, again, like I was going to say, that's a huge piece of rhetoric that you see on all the old boards. You know, uh, time on must be time off, and uh, yeah, you have to come off unless you're over forty, and then you can go on TRT. But you know, in, in reality, it makes it makes absolutely no sense. Like, how can maintaining some like physiological level of testosterone in between your super physiological periods, how could that possibly be worse than having to trudge through this hypergonadal state and having to use that are deleterious to your health to restart your HPG axes, and then two months later you just shut it down again. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think what's what's also scary is that, despite I think the 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 movement you know talking about stuff like this in terms of not coming off and staying on it, if you're going to make this decision, that is like the the minority. So you know the fact that I've got I'm very very lucky in the fact that I've got Callum there, you know Dean there, you know you guys putting out information like this but the barrage on the internet that i've got from explaining how i'm gonna stay on is just crazy it almost makes me question it again you know which is just it's just bad information if people are going to just keep coming off keep going on keep coming off it's just it's, it's crazy you know like it makes me double question it and i've got the, the good team on the on my side you know
0: yeah, yeah it's tough i mean i used to be on youtube and um before i got banned you know, I just never bothered again. but um I have, uh, you know, I got so much, so much, like people like genuinely hate you for some of the things that you do, it's crazy. Like, I remember someone kept messaging my wife, like our address, saying he was going to come around and kill me. (laughs) Like, how bizarre is that? Just because he didn't agree with like stuff that I was saying online. So how old are you? Josh? I'm 26 okay so you're not like a young young user so you no, really I, have probably eked out your your natural capabilities there yeah
1: yeah I, I trained from about 16 like on and off in the gym nothing, nothing properly and then properly for a good like six years before before time. And, and i was 90 through and through you know i was never i was never going to take steroids until my goal was unreachable
0: so what was the thing that kind of tipped you over the edge
1: to be, to be honest, it was the fact that UK BFF got their pro card thing taken away and it's now too most pro. Because <laughs> the criteria for IFBB Pro was probably achievable more often, well, you know, easier naturally. But now you've got to be either like superiorly elite, genetic elite, you know, or a very, very high up in the genetic elite, or you've got to be on gear. So I was just like, okay, well, that's, that's decided it for me. But then even, even when I think about it like that, if I'd got that naturally, I would have just had to go on anyway to compete with the top guys at Olympia. So I think either way, it was going this direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so run us through your competition history then.
1: Um, so I competed as a junior in the UK BFF. <laughs> um, I was second in Britain. That was probably four years ago. I was thinking I was 22. Um, then I did it again, um, and I won the next year and then I competed as a, uh, the full men's the next year and I came second and then the full the full men's the next year and came second. And then it it went and I took a year out and I was going to take a year out regardless to get bigger. Yeah. So so I was always in touch and distance, but not quite there.
0: Okay. So competitions on the horizon, are you looking at 2019?
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking two bros pro and possibly a PCA um, while I'm in condition. Um, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be such a different, different ride now I've got anabolics on my side. You know, and I'm bringing in other things later on, and yeah, it's exciting. So I don't know what's going to happen yet.
0: Okay, so if you're going to compete this year, I guess your plan would be to to dip into other compound use. Let's say something, you know, the androgenic side of things, something with more of a cosmetic focus, or are you planning yeah. just to run tests straight through and bring those things in later, maybe as needed?
1: Yeah, so I think at the moment it's just going to be a straight run test through 250. No changes up in, up in dose, while I'm still getting so many benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe bring in something like an Anavar um, later on. i have not i have not gone over the full plans with Callum because I'm very keen to let him run run my ship while I'm still so new to anabolics. You know, I've st- I've still got so much to learn. You know, compar- comparatively to these guys. I, you know, I don't want to be able to make wrong turns at this point. So I'd much rather someone who's got the know-how who can just steer me through this um, first preference as, as I take in as much information as I can really.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good idea. I mean, yeah. I think that's another thing like people think that you need to be like, you need uh, some of these more androgen partial compounds to really get in condition. But a lot of the thing that, um, that gear does is just kind of, um, modulates that ability to not be hypogonadal in you know, a prep um, and, and then when you can get truly shredded it, it that 's what 's really going to bring out the cosmetic look. I just think you know e- even in many cases using anabolics can be like a a health profile mm-hmm. in a natural contest prep because you know it's natural guy 's blood work at the end of contest prep is trash hormonally. yeah um, yeah which is a which yes. is something
2: Something Joe and I talked about a lot and I, and a lot of people disagree, but just the, the idea that I think a lot of people get they their use backwards, they use twice as much in prep. And they had uh, this idea of not using any or super low in the off season when really, I mean, hypertrophy is going to be the biggest benefit of the compounds. Mm-hmm. So it's just completely, it's completely backwards. Some of the, you know, the way a lot of people view it, which, I mean, I understand, like Joe said, the cosmetic effect, but, but really, I mean, there's a ceiling there. You just blasting more and more and more gear and a prep is only going to do so much. And at a point, um, it's just going to be so systemically stressful on your body that, you know, the return not really going to be there. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I know I personally, I always kind of stole that too, because I always read on forums and stuff, Hey, these guys use the most they're, they're using the highest doses and the most compounds and all that during, during their prep. And the, and basically the more you pushed it, the more you got out of it. So it's always what impression I was under when in reality that's just not really the case of my views have kind of flipped where you just don't need quite as much in prep as I think a lot of people think. And, uh, and you actually are going to, I mean, you're obviously going to get a lot more benefit when you're in a caloric surplus, just from the hypertrophy standpoint.
1: It makes
0: sense. Yep, I would have to agree. So, um, Josh, let's say that we are progressing through your initial phase of of drug use here, using the 250 milligram, and you've hit a wall. Um, Yeah. So for these novice gear users that are in your position now, you may be coming up to the point where you've eked out everything you can do with 250 milligram. Do you increase your testosterone dosage? Do you add another compound? What's your What's your thoughts and plans there?
1: Um, I think at that case, it, it, it would really depend on where my blood work would be sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure. Just Just because I think so many people don't have as many things on lockdown in terms of variables, you know, monitoring every single thing that I do. Um, I've just got so much room for progression. So I don't think it's going to be for a very long time, personally. Um, but yeah, depending on blood work, um, it would just be, you know, either probably just going up a little bit in, in, in testosterone. Um, I'm probably just going to just do that super slow. Um, I'm in no rush and just to make sure that I'm healthy all the way through it. um constantly monitoring blood work, but that would be pretty much it. So here's, here's another question
2: too, that is, and I'm sure you guys have probably talked about it, you and Colm, but, um, adding something that's going to, you know, give you, benefit through another pathway. So like growth hormone and insulin, which really aren't going to impact your health markers, uh, in the same way or much at all for that matter. Um, is that something you guys have talked about? Cause you see, you hear different views on it. Like I've, I have mixed opinions on how it, how it can be implemented into a more novice program because on one side of things, it is, it is a way to reduce androgen use and get, you know, and get additional benefit. But on the other side of things, it also is a tool that you could potentially save for later. So I mean, it's kind of, it kind of. I I hear different views
1: on it. And both sides can make sense in the right context. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I've not thought about it right now. I've not talked about it with the camera I'm like, I've definitely come from that. Uh... I guess there still is part of that stigma around growth hormone and insulin. You know, people, people label that as the devil. And then you think, why? Because, you know, it's not impacting health or uh, markers as much as, you know, some of these things that people are putting in their bodies. Um, I think it's just a lack of education, uh, which a lot of people come from.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's like the whole PCT and blast cruise argument. It's no different. I mean, it's just, there's old stigmas that are still here that should die, but they haven't. (laughs) You know, so, uh, I mean, cause I mean, I've seen people make fantastic process or progress on relatively minimal or just moderate androgen use compared to like where their physique is and then adding in, you know, the growth hormone and the insulin and in certain doses. And especially if you know, especially if you know how to use it in terms of controlling your blood glucose and there's other health benefits there that, that add to nutrient partitioning and keeping you more insulin sensitive and things along those lines. So it's not just, it's not just, and that's a whole nother topic. Like the whole idea of, and Joe and I have talked about it a million times. People say, Hey, I want to add insulin into my, you know, into my regimen. I've never used it. I'm going to use 10. IU's post-workout. Okay. Why? Why? You know, what's your, and they've, they've never measured their blood glucose. They have no premise as to why they're going to add certain things. But yeah, I mean, it's a cool, it's a good argument. I mean, it would be a good discussion to kind of see, take two people, um, one use a little bit more androgens and one use a little bit less, and then add that other component, kind of see what happens between the two.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like what you said about synergy there because I think that's important for anomalous drug use to understand that they can probably use less total deleterious drug loads by implementing different pathways with synergies like growth right. hormone because that uh works on the autocrine and paracrine igf1 stores that is provided by like high testosterone usage so yeah. as a pro let's say instead of having to use two grams you can maybe use one with six units of growth hormone or something and then there you go you're getting the same result far less negative health effects anyway um back to this one Josh, you said you got some questions. I'm assuming these are from people that are in this position of the person that we're talking about, so it might be useful for us to kind of go ahead and discuss them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, a few questions. Um, if someone has... Um, let me try and read this out properly. He's essentially saying that he's got a, a high reaction and from... Estrogen, so he's only running two hundred to two hundred and fifty milligrams of testosterone. Don't know why he doesn't know how much, um, and he wants to know: that is he basically, basically, his estrogen's gone high? Um, does he need an, uh, an AI, and will he always be predispositioned to aromatizing more? Um, as he's only on two hundred and fifty, and he's already got to take, you know, like a, what did you he say here? Half half a milligram of every, every three days. Did he say? Did he say what his actual level was? He I didn't mean, say his. He, he didn't say his level. He just said um, his estrogen's come back high. Oh, okay. So well, I, I assume I assume he means out of range. They give you a range in this. If he's out of range, we have?
0: well, this yeah. is the thing I find like wow. with steroid users. Because let's say he's using two hundred and fifty milligrams of testosterone, like you are, Josh, and he's doubled yeah. the reference range of testosterone. Why would he want his estrogen to be in the reference range? That's not how the HPG axis works. If he's double the reference range, his androgenic to to oestrogen ratio is going to dictate that his oestrogen is probably going to double the range as well. Now, you look into the research on how all of the various metabolites of oestrogen affect um, you health-wise, everything from lipids to cardiac health and whatnot. Most of them come back that higher the oestrogen, the more protective it is, but it's only deleterious in absence of elevated androgens. Okay? So... If he's not asymptomatic and presenting, like gyno, for example, then he need not worry. It's fine, because his ratio is fine. Don't work from a reference range. It's nonsensical. Yes. That's why exactly. I, I don't like AI. I don't, honestly, I don't have a single client using an AI because I feel like I can, most of the time, alter their stack to... I would personally rather use a non aromatizing androgen to add more androgens to the stack to alleviate side effects. I've never had an issue doing so. I'd rather do that than use something like an AI that has nasty effects on lipids and whatnot long term. So, you know, generally I'll use something like Primo or Masteron and balance it out there or even, you know, reduce the test. God forbid. Yeah. So, um,
2: yeah, heaven forbid! Heaven forbid you just slightly change the ratio of aromatizing compounds and non-aromatizing to fix it. Like it's such an e- it's such an easy thing to do. Um, when maybe not in his case, because I guess back to the question, though, because you, the person that you asked, he was he's not using just using testosterone, or did he? Did he say just just testosterone? Yeah. So I mean, in that case, you know, in that case, obviously they have to look at a couple of things like Joe said. I mean, if he's out of physiological range, then yeah, his estrogen is going to be elevated. Um, to what extent, I mean, everyone aromatizes differently, but, um, he could, I, I guess it, I guess it really just depends on, uh, if he, if he's running a blast, like if that's, if he is running higher than normal range, then he could easily just keep the same total milligrams and add a non aromatizing compound, you know, lower, lower it add primo add a little bit of mastron, something like that uh it would work you know it would work just fine and now if that's his and then you get the trt discussion too like there are genuinely some people that do run uh you know, extra dial that's above range even when they're just on trt uh which like i'm prescribed trt and i do run i normally run a little above range but but like Joe said, you know, it's, um, I have no, I'm not symptomatic of anything. And frankly, if, if I try to bring it down, I feel worse, you know? So, um, uh, I almost always nine times out of 10, like besides the occasional person that just aromatizes really heavily, they almost always feel better if they just let their body aromatize to the extent that it wants to, Okay. you know? So I guess, there
1: could be a little more context to that question, I'm sure. Yeah. So I, I can use myself as an example here. So after so I run two hundred fifty milligrams, I split it to two doses, and then after about two and a half weeks, um, both nipples were swollen and tingling. Um yeah. so at that so at that point I took that as a okay, um, I've got symptoms of, you know, whatever, high estrogen. Um, so I, I started taking an aromatized inhibitor. Um, a RemedX I did that just initially for the first week I did it for um, I did half a milligram every three days and then I extended that to every four days and I've had my my blood's back and, and my estrum's back in range um, what would you do in that situation because I obviously don't want to be on an, an aromatized inhibitor at 250 milligrams because I just right. you know, and, and with symptoms after two and a half weeks of starting well um, I'll tell you some, I'll tell you something and this is coming from somebody that I had like
2: um gyno during puberty, you know, so I mean, the glands, it's, that's the thing, the thing with it, like most people that have, that would have it flare ups later, they probably already have glands that were relatively active or sensitive to begin with, whether they had noticeable gyno when they were going through puberty or, or whatever. Uh, but it's just like, once it's there, the glands are always going to kind of be sensitive. I mean, most people are like that. I can, I can literally just be fine and then get random, get like a random flare up on TRT, you know, 150 milligrams a week. And it's just, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but that's, you know, it's just what happens sometimes. And I mean, you could probably least, since your dose is already low testosterone, I mean, probably like, you could change, you know, change the ratios like we said, but you only have so much room to do that since your dose is already low. But you could, instead of a Remadex, if you don't feel bad, like if you feel, if you're not overly watery, if you're not like you know, feeling symptomatic of anything, you can always try something like novadex, just to block estrogen at the receptor at least. Um, it's not, you're still using an ancillary drug, but it, it's going to impact you less than a Remadex, like in terms of health.
0: Okay. yeah. So, yeah, and the interesting thing with that is, and I don't know if you boys have ever read the research by, by basing on this. It's that old paper where um, the 600 milligram meme kind of came from. But um, they did notice that patients were most asymptomatic of gynecomaster in the, in the first two to four weeks. And uh, yeah. I expect that's because, you know, even with the enanthate ester, you can see around 24 hours post-injection, your serum testosterone does peak. Very fast, but it takes a group of half lives for it to stabilize, and therefore the aromatase activity is upregulating so fast at that point that it is most likely that you will get gyno there. And another interesting point from that study is that there were less incidences of estrogenic symptoms among the patients using the higher dosages than the lower dosages. And exactly why it is is probably I hypothesize because uh, if you look at like the ratio of androgen to, to estrogenic activity of of testosterone. The higher the dose, essentially, the higher the androgenic compound and lower estrogenic compound as the ratio right. gets further away from each other. So, um, right. yeah, in that case, I'd have, I'd have probably just done like a couple of weeks of tamoxifen until the symptoms subsided, and then seen if your blood levels were stable enough to, to have fit into a, a stable ratio, uh, and then if not, I would probably re-implement tamoxifen. With some additional primo or mast or proviron for a little bit of more androgenic activity, and then pulled out the tamoxifen again, and just kept retesting the androgen to estrogen ratio until it was nailed for you. And essentially, then you know going forward what drug stack, relatively in ratio to each other, you can run.
2: And I've seen I've seen multiple people like immediately when they start TRT, they get they get a flare up within the first you know. First couple half lives,
0: absolutely,
2: and, and it happens. It happens all the time, and we're talking TRT dose, you know. So we're talking they're not even they're not even actually going above physiological range. They're still within normal parameters. So I mean, it that's not that's not uncommon. And uh, like Joe said, it'll most likely it'll probably go away on its own. You know, once things stabilize, and you may not need an AI or any kind of other you know anything else to control it. At some point, so.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep. Good. Sweet. Um, I don't know if you're going to like this question. I don't really like it. Um, <laughs> but is it is it possible to do one cycle no. and continue to make gains naturally? Uh, well, it's possible, but it's just not. It's just you're just risking a lot for. Uh... My no. question would be why.
0: You are potentially yeah. shutting down your HPT axis for the rest of your life, for gains in skeletal muscle tissue that are going to be gone within a year of you ending that cycle. Um, there might be some like satellite cell, um, like gathering for lack of a better word that, that hangs around afterwards. If that means anything, I suppose, depending on your exposure to dose and duration of the cycle. Like, I've only ever done one cycle. But it's lasted about seven years. no <laughs> so, you know, um, but I know what he, he means and uh no, I think that's absolutely stupid. Yeah, I,
1: think I agree. Um, people are talking about supplements these days, um and kind of which ones, which ones are which, because there's a lot of, you know, people say tudka, people say that, people say both, people say glutathione, some people say don't. What are your uh, go-tos for um, on-cycle support in terms Uh, of supplementation? That's a good question. So
2: it's going to be based off personal need, first and foremost, Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, there are certain things that you could consider preventative, you know what I mean, that aren't going to like – that wouldn't show up noticeably on your lab work but are still going to be preventative in the background. Because, I mean, there are things – that's the thing about lab work is that people put, they put all of their eggs in that basket and they think that's the only thing that dictates their health when there's really other stuff going on. Like, I mean, there can be other things in the background change. You have, um, you know, like left ventricle hypertrophy, you have QT intervals. I mean, there's a lot of little things that we don't see that are still being impacted. So taking something like ubiquinil might not raise your HDL by 20 points but that doesn't mean it's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a hard question. I mean, you see both sides of it. Like some people are like, Oh, all supplements are a waste. And then some people take a bunch of health supplements that they probably don't even need. Um, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I mean, like these, these health supplements aren't going to like, none of them are really going to necessarily hurt you if you don't need them. So um man, what do I take? You guys have Strom over there, good brand.
0: Um it's brilliant. This is brilliant. That's something that I mean, yeah, it is based on like the individual's needs, but there are like there are things that anabolics do that we can potentially ameliorate. Like, for example, I probably recommend a liposomal glutathione for phase one or two liver detoxification because that is going to be stressed if you're using super physiological doses of anabolics. Also, like you're probably gonna fuck with your HDL, so it's probably a good idea to take citrus bergamot, like things like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's. I could tell you, like, I've I comparable company that I work with over here, similar to Strom too. I mean, it's a lot, a lot of the same stuff. Like, I generally most of users, even if they're on or just cruising, um, yeah, citrus bergamot's great. Um, anything. Excuse me. Uh ubiquinil, PQQ, awesome. Uh and then I mean, from there, I'm gonna look at I might add NAC in or a liposomal glutathione. I mean, both are gonna do a pretty good job raising glutathione serum levels. Uh and there's you could go pretty deep with it. Uh vitamin K two, I think that's a really good one for pretty much pretty much anybody. Yeah, so vitamin K two is definitely another good addition and you could that's something I add in with a lot of people. Um, you know, people that have like cardiovascular health issues in their family or they're just getting older or or whatever it may be. But, and then you get into stuff like kidneys and liver support, for example, like if you have, depending on what compounds you're running, it's not on TRT. That's one thing, but you're getting into, um, a lot of orals, uh, DHTs, things like that. I mean, you're going to, you might want to run, some higher dose NAC or the glutathione um, and to, I, you know what? Like I don't have a lot. I have some people that use to, I don't have a whole lot of people that use it. And the thing about tutka is just a, it's just a, a bile salt. So if you can keep the liver healthy uh, and producing enough bile, there's other ways to do that. So you don't necessarily have to use tutka, though it does work very well. Um, I don't know what your guys' take on that. Joe, do you have many people that use it?
0: Uh, I'm not really like that big on Tudka. I think the if anybody wants to read a really good breakdown of when you should use tutka, read Dr. Dean's post on it. I think it might be on the train by JP forum. But you specifically don't want to use it around the time of 17 alpha alkylated orals, basically. Yeah, it would be- which
2: is almost when people always use it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've read. I don't know if it was his paper, but I read. I read about that.
1: May have been his. I'm not sure.
0: So, Josh, what are you using on your stack to combat any sort of negative blood work effects?
1: Um, so, I have uh, liposomal glutathione. I have. I have quite a lot of the supplement leads range as well. Actually. I have the the curcumin, resveratrol. A few of them come on the list actually. Uh, then I use Support mics as well from Strom. Um, and I will just go through the basics as well, what most people should be supplements with. Yeah. you can kind of vitamin C's, D's, I got K two as well. Um, yeah, just uh, the standard stuff.
0: Yeah, the supplement needs stuff is is just brilliant. Um, yeah, it's unreal. Great to have that, like in the UK. Um, Very lucky. I mean, I use like all their liposomal stuff, um, sleep stack, curcumin. Um, yeah. Q um, multivitamins as well. No phonic acid. that's was nice. Um yeah. Okay. You got any more any more cues for us?
1: Um one was about oral only cycles. What do you Um I think you're afraid of needles. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably uh the case. Yeah, I mean I, I like I said, like I'm I'm not I'm not as well versed as you guys in it, but you know, for what for what I, from what I know, you know, you're putting your body under a lot of stress in terms of liver. Um, for what I don't, I don't know how long these people run these cycles. I, I know someone who was on a for, for about seven months, eight months, just every day. You know, I just think, like, yeah. What's, what's
0: cool. that dude's name that used to train with Dave Palumbo, Austin? You'll probably know. Who was it? <laughs> what's his name? I'm used um, to treat him with Dave, oh, um, G- uh, Jimmy Pelletier.
2: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> he yeah. He took like three hundred milligrams of anadrol for about six years.
2: <laughs> you know, some of the like some of the the uh, medical literature, they when they've used it, muscle wasting diseases, things like that, and even in females, the doses aren't very low. Like they use yeah, they use a pretty. Liberal amount of it uh, for a pretty ex- extended period of time. Some yeah, I of them, think... when I first look at the studies, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like that's a lot. Because in our bodybuilding world, almost always, you know, PED use is like way higher than anything they use in medical literature, and it's not really the case
0: when it comes to the orals. No, not I mean, in that old Burns victims um, paper with Anadrol, it was was it two milligram per kilogram body weight, so. For me, that would be like 240 milligram a day. Um, so, yeah, That's, that's what, a lot. <laughs> yeah, but is, is it though? You know? Is it? Well, when it, you consider like the molecular structure of anadron, just how sort of in parenthesis toxic it is. I mean, is it really? You know?
2: It would be, I think the biggest thing with people is it would be hard to
0: eat with that much yeah yeah I'd agree I would agree um do oral only cycles work like yeah but I would say that they are not to use a catch word optimal by any means um yeah, I mean any amount of androgens and estrogens in super physiological ranges is going to provide um but Return on your investment isn't as great as if you get And like we said earlier, you're not planning to come off, so you can't just take Ebol and Anadrol for the rest of your life, essentially, you know, it's not worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um one final question is just about blood work and if someone was going from natural and then they've made that decision like what are they sh- what should they be doing beforehand in terms of blood work if anything in your guys opinion. what do you think i know
0: what i know you?
1: what i did i i uh i had a full sports wellman vitamin package so i did all of my lipids um i did all my liver kidney enzymes i did all my endocrine system um, i literally just the full whack it was like a 200 pound test I just did everything yeah just to see where, where all baselines are
0: yeah I mean that's a good shout yeah you generally just want to check I mean hormone wise like I don't think it's like super important that you get a hormone test because you're about to completely throw that off anyway but it is cool to see where like your physiological baseline is to give you a kind of like aim somewhat of where you want to land super physiological on your first blast and then from there I mean you know I don't even get my total testosterone on on my blood work I mean, it's yeah. just... Why? You know? <laughs> yeah, why do it? Yeah, but yeah, but definitely health markers, like especially like lipids and as and many cardiac markers as you can get, even if you can get in there and get an EKG or something. Because if you've got any level of kind of excessive ventricular hypertrophy, you don't want to start blasting DECA and stuff like that, you know? Um, yeah. Great risk.
2: I mean, I have a lot of people that do the same do the same labs when they're natural too. Like, it's not, it's not a bad idea. Just maybe more frequently when they're using gear, obviously. But, but yeah, the, it's hilarious. Like something not to do is they go in and get their labs done. And I I get these labs too. Like, Hey, I get the email. Hey, would you mind looking at my lab work? I'm currently, um, currently using X, Y, Z. They give me a cycle, whatever. I'm like, sure. Great. No problem. So we look at it. All they have in their labs is a CBC, a CMP, and hormones. And I'm like, well, that's literally almost useless. It's not completely useless. I can still view kidney function, electrolytes and stuff. But I'm like, your hormone, <laughs> your hormone values, other than maybe estradiol, are pretty much useless to me. There's no cardiac markers on there at all. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, did we, Have we done an episode on labs?
0: I, I think we've i don't think we've dedicated a whole well, episode. well no but we've kind of um we've obviously talked about that a lot of q a yeah sweet awesome was that all the questions josh
1: uh yeah yeah there's a few rubbish ones but yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <There>. <laughs> <laughs> so um josh we'll close in now because we're kind of coming in on time but um just uh, run everyone down where, where they can find you and follow your journey. I actually just watched one of your uh, YouTube videos whilst I was eating my last meal, to be fair. Is that? Oh. That day of eating one. Same old, same old. Yeah, so I'm just Josh Bridger on everything.
1: It's my name, Josh he said a bridge man, but without the no E. No E. across all of the socials.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to follow this journey because I haven't seen anyone kind of document it in the style that you have that's, generally very like level-headed uh and obviously you're an intelligent individual working with some intelligent individuals so it's almost like people can finally see like how to do it because i remember when i first started taking gear like there wasn't even like facebook really like people didn't talk about Facebook. Yeah. Like only the boards like and that's like gotta be the worst place to get, get. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just thankful for, for the whole JP movement. You know, I guess he was the first person that started talking about it. And then, yeah. and then everyone else would start talking about it. And now, now, you know, now slowly but surely we're getting the right information
0: out. That's right. Uh, like, be the change, man. You know, a lot of people still don't want to talk about it. But that is re- really, like, I feel honesty is the way that it's going to help. Me. Because people are going to do it. You know, people are never going to stop taking steroids. But it's... Exactly it's educating them like you are like this is the way to do it like if i was gonna like if anyone asked me like do you have like a complete guide on what i should do i'd probably just say like look at what josh has done because that's like <laughs> yeah. is essentially what you should be doing like very smart approach awesome So yeah thanks for coming on man and um everybody please do go and follow josh's journey i'll tag all of the social media down below, all the YouTube and all that. So, subscribe and all of that stuff and you. see how it's done. Sweet. All right, boys. Well, thanks. We'll close that off here. Guys, please check out the sponsors below. Otherwise, we can't keep doing these podcasts and then you can't listen to the podcasts. So, please buy loads of stuff on the sponsors below and make me and Austin rich. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have to coach anymore <laughs> I love it um, Austin's got his mic muted so he obviously doesn't want part I'm of
2: here. I'm listening I was just <laughs> I was like uh, I have this cold and I'm over here blowing my nose and it sounds terrible so
0: you, you don't want to a- hear that mate I've got a cold <laughs> Jasmine's got a cold I'm pretty sure everyone have you got a cold Josh? I've just had a cold <laughs> okay mate,
1: well there you go Across the world
0: <laughs> Right. All right, boys, thanks for coming on. I'll let you, yeah, uh, you so much. get off because it's bedtime. It's not bedtime for Austin, though. It's probably like four o'clock or something. There it is.
2: Yeah. yeah, We're good. We have lots to do still. <laughs> All,
0: All right. right. Nice one, nice guys. Right. to you guys later. Pre-
2: appreciate it, guys. Bye bye.